Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. Sponsored by CGC Cards, card grading all in one place. CGC Cards is devoted to expert grading of collectible cards, including TCGs, sports cards, and non sports cards. Sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and valuing your cards. Use the app to build your collection and buy and sell with other collectors. Turn the hobby into your side hustle. And by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on SportsCollectorsDaily.com. And sponsored by GemRate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit GemRate.com. It's free. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. We're going to be talking all things related to TTM, cards, autographs, all things sports collectibles, and who knows what else they might come up with on here. I am Drew Pelter, the host of this show, joined once again here this week by Lee Alexander. This is season six, episode number four of this nationally ranked sports collectibles podcast. Well, Lee, good to have you back on here once again. Three weeks in a row. You're a final week before we get a Troy back on here. Been great having you on here. It's been a lot of fun. Definitely glad to have been able to step in. It'll be nice to have Troy back as well next week. So looking forward to that as well. We'll have, uh, I know Troy was saying he's uh, got typically about one weekend a month where he's going to be unavailable. So we'll have a few guest hosts stepping in on there. We might have you back on for some of those. Might have a few other people there. Just kind of divided up a bit there. But yeah, it's been a good couple weeks here for sure. All right. So we'll go ahead and jump right on into things here with uh, sports news from the week. So. It's come to this once again, a Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl. This is a, a repeat of 2020. Any thoughts on that, Lee? It's, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, I really don't know what to make of it myself, honestly. I can say it's certainly not the ideal Super Bowl I care to be watching, as I'm obviously not a big 49ers fan, but I'm even less of a Chiefs fan. So I think we've officially arrived to the point to where I'm forced to cheer for the 49ers now. I've got a lot of uh, friends who are from Kansas City originally. Some still live there, some just from there originally. So it's like... I kind of have to go for the Chiefs because of that. And, of course, I mean, Travis Kelsey is a Cleveland Heights native, so it's like, all right, this is as close as the Browns are ever going to get to a Super Bowl, I think. So it's like, uh, I can kind of hold my nose and go for the Chiefs, I guess, out of all that. Because, yeah, I just I, – I, my give-a-crap level on both teams is kind of kind of low, honestly, at this point. Right, definitely not not a game I would be too inclined to watch if it was not, you know, the Super Bowl. So we just take it for what it's worth, I guess. Yeah. So, of course, you know, the week here in between, we have the NFL Pro Bowl. It's also the NHL All-Star Game weekend. And we get into these a little bit with Clemente Lisi later on in the show. But uh, do these things really mean that much anymore to people now? These uh, any kind of All-Star Games like this, especially when you've got two of them going on at the exact same time like this? I really don't hold much value, especially with the NHL. I mean, once it gets to the point to where players who are invited start holding out is basically why bother. You're not really... You're not really having the best of the best. And plus, with every team having to have a representative, you just end up with some really questionable players in there. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, the Wings were having such an awful season that Franz Nielsen was the All-Star representative. And I believe he had, like, single-digit goals at the All-Star break. And it's, it's just, it's kind of devolved into just a formality, I think, more than anything at this point. Yeah, I mean, you look back a few years ago, like when John Scott got in, that kind of just showed, like, what a joke people find to be. I mean, I love the fact that he got in. I thought it was like the best trolling of the NHL ever, but it just showed like how little people really seem to care about it. And even before that, you had the effort to get uh, Rory Fitzpatrick in a few years before that. Exactly. It's just kind of one of those when you leave it up to the fans to vote, 
have to include every team, you're not getting a legitimate selection of all-stars. I will say, though, this year I did watch a skills competition last night, and I was actually looking through Facebook memories, and last year I made a comment of, if you like the skills competition, you are wrong. And last year's, I remember, was an absolute disaster. It's gotten a lot better this year. I thought this year's one was a decent effort there. I think the uh, new format of it does a lot better with it. I don't know if you caught any of it at all or not, but I guess they did the uh, individual players kind of all going against each other, and the winner, the ultimate winner of the night basically got a $1 million bonus. So uh, congrats, of course, to uh, Connor McDavid on that one, which, I mean, everybody I think could have seen that one coming. Right. If you were a betting man, that would be a pretty uh, pretty sure bet to place your money on there. Uh, big news out of Baltimore. I know you're an Orioles fan there, and your team is getting sold, and they just acquired Corbin Burns, so a very big week there for the Orioles. Absolutely. You know, and with Burns, it's it's rare that they get a, I guess you would say, just really a top-class pitcher who's still arguably in some of the better years of his career. You know, you tend to either have pitchers who you bring up to a certain point and then get sold off once they gain any type of value, or you get pitchers who are probably more in the twilight of their career. So it's exciting to have somebody like Burns, who's still a relatively young player with, I think, a lot of talent still left. He's got a one year left on his contract, and I, you'd have to think the Orioles are going to be heavily involved in trying to bring him back if they're willing to give up. Uh, I think it was only their number six prospect was uh, one of the big ones in there, in a Joe Ortiz, but they have five of the top 35 prospects in baseball, which is absolutely incredible. They've got that stacked of a system there that I think, I mean, he was number six in the organization and like number 63 overall still. And being having to give up him and D.L. Hall, who it's like, he's got a lot ahead of him, but he's also been dealing with a lot of control problems there. So I really don't think they gave up that much to get a hold of him either. So definitely going all in, it seems here on this one year, at least. Absolutely. And with Ortiz, you know, a really, really valuable player, but they're just such a logjam with the infield positions. They've just got such heavy talent with those particular areas right now that it's not not as big of a loss as it might be if they were a little thinner in that department. Uh, any pickups for you and your collections at all this week? I, uh, I, I know it's been a pretty light week for me just doing a lot of uh, sorting and planning here for Arizona. Actually, I did get one return. I had mentioned sending out to Lenny Wilkins recently, and as per his usual, a very quick return, signed me an 89 hoops card. Just Really nice signature from one of the all-time NBA great coaches, so definitely excited to add that one to the collection. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I've been uh, just getting stuff together, buying other, buying up a few uh, singles I need for Arizona, but for the most part, just you know, going through and sorting and planning and all that. So fairly light week. We'll have some more TTMs to get into a little bit later on in the show there as well. well this week, as I mentioned, we've got Clemente Lisi joining us for Clemente's World. We'll get into that here later on. We talk a little bit about some Wayne Gretzky, or actually some 7980 Opeachy, we'll say, news there, which, I mean, it's the Gretzky set, so let's be honest, it's Gretzky news. <laughs> right. But also, uh, yeah, talking All-Star, of course, too. So uh, we'll talk to Clemente later on. We have all of our regular segments, including Baker's Dozen. We said Clemente's World is on the way right after that. We'll have Making the Great, talking about all things related to grading. We'll have our stamp of approval, where we give our thumbs up to something from the previous week. You never know what it's going to be. We've got the Vern Rap Minute, covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics, Anything like that, that you might consider TTMing. And of course, the main reason why we're here is our TTM returns. If you want to get a hold of us here at TTMcast, Lee, where can they email? That email would be TTMcast at yahoo.com. If you want to reach me directly, you can find me at dfwgraffer at gmail.com. Next up, let's move right in to Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by sportscollectorsdaily.com. 
Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a summary of all the news from the collectibles world from the previous week or so. And we want to remind you once again, we still have that deal with collects going on right now in their marketplace for a $10 coupon to spend on there. Just make sure you send us your collects username after you sign up for the app. Download it at collects.app, C-O-L-L-X dot app. You can download it there, get involved on there, send us your collects username and your email address, and we'll get a $10 coupon put into your I guess the, uh, I don't know what to call it exactly there in the account. Your wallet in the account there, I guess, is the best way to put it there. So get yourself some free money that way. Also want to remind you to check out my weekly article on Sports Collectors Daily, where I talk all things TTM, usually all kinds of stuff from the autograph world that may come to mind. So you never know what I'm going to come up with there. I don't have an idea yet for this week, but I'll be working on that here later on today. I want to remind you also, Five Star Dynasty, we had Amir Kim El Malawani join us last week on the show, talking about that and promoting it. He has a bonus on Instagram for TTM cast listeners. Make sure you follow them at Five Star Dynasty Game on Instagram. And if you go on and uh, support their Kickstarter by buying a set or two, make sure you send them a direct message. Say you're a TTM cast listener that you bought uh, one of their sets. They've got a bonus for you there that may involve some autographs. So uh, go and check that out if you haven't already. Once again, that is fivestardynasty.com or fivestardynastygame on Instagram. Moving right into some hobby news here. Fanatics is striking again as they have come to a deal with UFC. Tops had UFC from 2009 through 2020, and they have signed now a multi-year deal with UFC to uh, produce their cards. Panini had it from uh, 2021 on up until this past year. Tops Chrome UFC will be the first product that is due out on February 28th. National Sports Collectors Convention announced another 2024 autograph guest. Cal Ripken Jr. joins Manny Ramirez as a signer. New signers are announced every Wednesday. Visit nsccshow.com for more info. Some uh, Babe Ruth items that are coming up for auction, both through Leland's and Heritage Auctions. Uh, Heritage Auctions has a 1916 World Series mitt that was signed by Babe Ruth twice. Two things down there, they're both kind of fading a bit there, but it's a 1916 World Series used mitt from him. So really cool collectible right there. That is running through the end of the month, through February 25th. Right now, they've already got bids of up to $320,000 on it. They're estimating it's going to go over $1 million. There's also a dual-signed Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig Type 1 photo taken by Arthur Hull, who's a legendary uh, sports photographer. It's a 4-inch by 5-inch photo, but clear signatures from both on there. You can even see on the back of it, that Babe's signature is actually bleeding through the uh, paper a little bit behind it there. So definitely live ink on that thing, not a preprint or anything like that. That Leland's auction, they'll feature that one, is opening on February 25th, the same day the Heritage Auctions one closes. So right there at the end of the month, you can check that out at Leland's Auctions. We got some new releases upcoming here, of course, with uh, starting some Panini football. And we've got 2023 Panini's Rookies and Stars football dropping on February 7th, looking at 10 cards per pack and six packs per box. Two autographs, two memorabilia, six Optichrome, five numbered baser rookies, and 12 rookie cards per box. That's a lot of hits in a box. 
looking at a price point of 450 for pre-sale currently. Rookies and Stars is always a fun set like that. You're going to get, I mean, it's it's right there in the title. I mean, Rookies is right there, and you're going to get a lot of those. Got a Panini Chronicles Racing is going to be coming out on February 7th as well. You'll see eight cards per back, six packs per box with three autos, one memorabilia card, and two immaculate cards in there. And if you're not familiar with Chronicles, it's uh, you're going to see several brands all in one product. So a nice wide variety of a uh, lot of stuff in there. Definitely a, a collector-focused product there. Pre-sale price on that one is $120. And next we have 2023-24 Panini Prism EPL Soccer dropping February the 7th. Looking at 12 cards per back and 12 packs per box. One autograph, six inserts, and 17 prisms. Four silver prisms, five numbered prisms with a pre-sale price of $375. That's Panini Prism English Premier League Soccer dropping February 7th. All the prism stuff. There's a lot of color in that box there, it looks like. How about a little bowling? I mean, we don't get we don't get into bowling cards very often. In fact, I don't I can't even think of any sets that have put out bowling cards before, but Leaf 2023 PBA Bowling Premier Edition is dropping it next week as well. That'll be on February the 9th. You're going to get a box of seven cards in that product, and out of that, you're going to see three base cards, three autographs, and one base parallel. Pre-sale price on that right now is $90. Any word on whether there are going to be Roy Munson autographs included in that set? I don't know. I, have, I haven't looked into anything with that, but uh, I've seen a few pictures of it. Cause I, uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, former Panini people that work at Leaf there, so I've seen them posting previews and stuff, and it looks like a really cool product, honestly. I mean, I don't know anything about bowling, but I, I'd say just about anybody who's anybody in the bowling world is probably going to be in there. On the topic of TTMs, you should have some pretty high success rates. I can't imagine there's a whole lot of bowling requests sent out, so you can always keep that in mind. Yeah, and I've always, I mean, always been a supporter of any kind of niche sports getting cards and bowling. I mean, it's one of those sports that, you know, anybody can get into it just about any time and everything. And so, yeah, I might have to look into that and see about uh, mailing a few off. It'd be pretty cool to see some of those come back. Absolutely is, yes. Next, we have 2024 Tops Baseball Series 1 dropping on Valentine's Day, February the 14th. For hobby, you're looking at 12 cards per pack and 20 packs per box, featuring one auto or relic per box. And for your jumbo, you're looking at 40 cards per pack at 10 packs per box, three hits per box, guaranteed at least one auto. Pre-sale hobby box price, $100. Pre-sale jumbo starting at $175. Got a lot of uh, upcoming shows here in the next uh, week as well. Uh, looking at next weekend on February 10th, a week from today, Soaring Eagle Casino up in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. They've got a show going on from 10 to 4 on Saturday. Four signers are going to be there, including Braylon Edwards, former wide receiver for the Browns, the Jets, and the University of Michigan. We've got Darren McCarty, the former uh, Red Wings and Calgary Flames tough guy. Corey Schlesinger, former fullback for the Lions. And Rob Rubick, who I believe is a tight end for the Lions at one point. 125 tables at this show and free admission. Next, we have the Mid-Atlantic Sports Collectibles Show. Silver Spring, Maryland Civic Center, February the 10th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. $5 admission, 90-plus tables, and Washington Redskins great Dexter Manley signing, the largest D.C. area show. You can go to mid-atlanticshow.com for more info. In the Pacific Northwest, Pullman, Washington, is going to have a show on February the 10th as well, once again next Saturday. The Pullman Courtyard Marriott Hotel is hosting out from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They have free admission, and Ruben Mays will be the autograph signer there. He is the 1986 NFL Rookie of the Year. So if you're up uh, up in that Seattle area, I think Pullman's near Seattle. At least it's, it's somewhere in Washington, at least. So if you're up in that area, go and check that one out as well. 
And next we have the Troy Sports Card Show taking place February the 10th and 11th at the American Polish Center in Troy, Michigan. Free admission, free parking, Polish food, and cash bar. That That is a good combination of things right there. Yeah. And also to boot, you got former Lions Greg Landry and Luther Bradley both signing autographs at $15 each. So it sounds like a fun show. Definitely does. I mean, anytime you say Polish food, it's like, all right, I am there. We went to uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton on the road trip in 2020, and they have a concession stand in that ballpark that has Polish food, and it was the best that was the best concession stand of the entire trip, I think. Like that needs to be become more of a widespread staple at more ballparks. Yes, absolutely does. We've got a, a listener comment here from a guy that was in a couple of weeks ago from Adam Bender. Because I'd mentioned uh, during our first show back here in 2024 that I'd mailed off the 9192 Upper Deck Sutter Brothers card and uh, gotten it signed by, I believe, I don't remember which of the Sutter Brothers it was that signed it, but I've gotten it signed now, I think, by three out of the six. He has it signed by all six, he was saying, and he uh, sent it off to Ron and said, hey, if you're going to see your brothers anytime soon, could you possibly get some of the other ones to sign it? And a couple months later, he got signed by all six back from him, so... If that's a card, if you like working on any multi-signed cards or anything like that, that is a great one to go with there, it sounds like. It sounds like they're all willing to sign it if uh, if you're able to get to them. I know there's a few of them who don't TTM at all, so I'm hoping my last one that I know TTMs I'm going to send it off to, I might drop it in there and say, hey, if you're going to see them anytime, see if you can get them to sign it too and get it all finished off. But the 0809 Upper Deck Masterpieces set has a card with all six on it as well. Lee, do you do a lot of uh, any uh, multi-signed cards like that or anything? actually do and you mentioned the ud masterpieces card oddly enough i actually have that card and i picked the wrong setter to start with as i sent it to brian with another 8485 tops card that needed signed and unfortunately brian is probably the lowest percentage signer of the six brothers so that was sent off probably about three or four years ago have yet to see it again i'm inclined to think that i probably won't be seeing it again at least you did it right and you sent it to the tough one first so that way you're not losing one signed by, you know, like three or four of them already or something like exactly. that. So it's always easier to start again then at that point. Multi-sign cards are a lot of fun, though, especially if you get a card that happens to have, you know, a handful of good signers on it. It's just always fun to kind of send it back and forth. It is definitely. I mean, it can, it can get frustrating, though, too, because, I mean, I've been doing them on my indoor soccer projects. They've got the all-star cards there that have, like, four or five guys on them. There's a couple times where I've gotten up to three of them. I send off to the last one who's always been a reliable signer, and I never see it again because it just got lost or... He stopped signing or something like that. But yeah, what, like you said, when you find some guys that are reliable signers, they're all on there. It definitely is a fun thing to work on for sure. Absolutely. Yep. Well, that about does it here for Baker's Dozen. Let's move on to Clemente's World. I talked this week to uh, Clemente Lisi, who is a correspondent here on the show, has been for about a year and a half, I want to say almost maybe two years or so. But uh, we talked some hockey here. We've got some news about the 7980 Opeachy set. Also uh, talking about the All-Star Game, and Clemente has some TTMs for us to look at. So let's go on here into Clemente's world. You know what that means. It's time for Clemente's world. Joined here by Clemente Lisi. Clemente, good, good to have you back on the show here again. It's the first, uh, first time we've had you back on since uh, rebooting everything. Hey, it's great to be back. And, uh, you know, the show going on is a great tribute to Jeff. So thank you for doing Absolutely. it. Yeah, that was the biggest thing was after his death, it's like, all right, I definitely want to continue this onward. Unfortunately, everybody else has wanted to. His family was like, yes, we absolutely want it to go on. And so, yeah, it's good to be able to keep it going and keep a tribute to him and everything. And well, we're going to talk a little hockey here since that's what's in season right now. And uh, some big news on the uh, the 7980 Opeachy front. Of course, everybody knows that is the big Gretzky rookie year, but we've got some uh, 
big happenings right there that you were telling me about a bit ago. Yes. You want to start with that or we start with the uh, NHL All-Star game, which is also dominating the news now. So That's a good point. Yeah, I forgot. It. I, look at this. Here I am, you know, 10 seconds in. I'm already forgetting the order we were going to go in. But let's go ahead and go with the Gretzky stuff. And we'll go back into the uh, NHL All-Star stuff there then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just recently there was um, news reports about a uh, a family found the case of 7980 Opeachy Hockey um in their i think basement um and they had collected cards in the past so there was a lot of boxes there so you know um so you know just when you think there isn't any more stuff out there more inventory sometimes we do hear these stories about stuff like this and then you know so now of course it's been authenticated and it's now up for auction i think it's definitely over a million dollars so far but it begs the question you know if it goes up to three million which people think it might go to three million what do you do with the whole case of OPC 7980? And now that's the Gretzky year, right? And so do you keep it sealed? Do you open the boxes and then pull out the 25 to 30 Gretzkys that might be in there and then get them graded? Everybody knows that is a tough set to grade and tough cards to grade because of the cuts. Yep. Everyone thinks a Gretzky rookie is worth $3.5 million. It's not only one grade of 10 went for that much and there are only two of those specimens out there so it's the kind of thing it begs the question if you buy the set if you buy this auction do you just keep it sealed what do you do with it yeah going back to what you're saying about the cuts there i mean if you get even like one or two gem tens out of there, even a couple nines out of there you're probably going to make your money back but at the same time i can't tell you how many commons i've seen they're off center that have really rough edges on them and that's you know pack fresh they're like that's like oh geez yeah that's it's definitely kind of an interesting conundrum right there. I mean, obviously, if you've got the money to be able to buy that entire case, you've probably got the money to take the chance on ripping it as well, though. Yeah. My first thought when I saw saw the news and heard the news of this, I was like, well, maybe this is like just full of G.I. Joe's, G.I. Joe cards. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe it's those Pokemon cards that we thought we were going to get the last time with uh, Logan Paul. I don't know. But, you know, I just from someone who's been to the Expo and to many, many card shows, you know, Drew, there is no shortage of the Gretzky rookie, either as the OPC or tops. There's tons of them out there. Now, they're all worth a decent amount of money. The thing is, the gap between a 10 and a 9 is a massive gap in terms of price. And so then, the, you know, it begs the question. I'd be curious to see what happens with these, if they ever make it into the wild or they just stay closed. You know, it's, yeah. it's a good question. Do you know how much a 9 goes for just off the top of your head at all? I think a 9 can go for, you know... 100,000, 200,000, but that's a okay. big gap between that and the 3.25 million that, by the way, that was during the height of the pandemic too. So, right. um, so if they consider that, and also I think PSA was very forgiving and giving a 10 to that card. If you look at, if you look at pictures of that 10, it's a bit rough, you know, even for a 10 because of the blades and everything else. And so, you know, just an interesting talking point and we'll see what happens with the auction, but it's the kind of thing that is, really dominating the hockey collecting world right now. Yeah. Are there any other kind of big name rookies in there at all besides Gretzky in that set? Cause I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't think of any, like I know Messier was maybe a year or two later. You had like uh Ray Bork was, I think two years later than that, but I think that's like the only really big hit that's in there too. Correct. But you also get Gordy Howe and Bobby Hull's last card. That is right. true. Forgot about that. Yeah. How? So yeah. I like that set because it's kind of like a turning point. It's like the end of one generation, one era and the start of another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that that's still. I mean, I, I think you would call that vintage now. That 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 year, 
it's not quite junk wax and we're not there yet, but, but it, it is still vintage and it's still, the production was still very poor, particularly Opeachy, because the goal was just to get people, get gum in the pockets of, you know, kids. It wasn't so much the cards were like as afterthought. And so it just happens to be the, the, the Gretzky rookie. It's also a great design. I love that design yes. as well. That's what I was just about to say. I've used that design on so many customs that I've made for myself and everything. It's just, it just works so well. You can change the colors on it so well too when you do a custom with it. And yeah, I mean, it's just when somebody looks at it, they go, ah, Gretzky's rookie year. Opeachy did their uh, a parallel set with it in their retro one about maybe, I want to say about 10 years ago now. It's been maybe 15 years, but yeah. Maybe a little more. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So uh, as we were saying there in the intro there as well, we got the NHL All-Star game coming up this week. Kind of uh it's become kind of an afterthought for me. It used to be when I was a kid, this was, you know, a must-see event every year, but the format of it has just changed so much. And it seems to be kind of what's going on with every league's all-star game. You look at, like, the NFL has turned into this flag football and skills competition. Major League Baseball, at least for a while, it uh, was, you know, deciding home field the all-star game. But at least, like, baseball and football, or baseball and ho- basketball, at least, it still resembles the product that's on the field. You go into football and they totally change it. And now hockey, it's three-on-three, three, which just... I still have trouble wrapping my head around that. Yeah, no, look, the three on three format, I think, is it works because there's more open ice and it's more fun. Now, I will say the All Star game kind of brings with it some cheers and a lot of groans, you know. Um, so, for those of you who are doing fantasy hockey like I am, you know, two weeks, things are going to be a little bit jumbled. But the festivities are, are three days this year because the Thursday night is going to be what they call the player draft. They're bringing that back for the first time since 2015. What they'll do is they'll have four different teams, four different captains, and then they'll pick players like they used to pick in gym class, right? They'll just pick players and they'll form these teams. Now, um, in addition to that, you know, some of the other pros of of the All-Star game is it's being played in Toronto. So it's a great city to play it in. It's a great venue. It's a great everything. So it's great that it's there and not like in Tampa or in some place where it's really weird. Okay, so that there's that. So the other thing too is uh, these four teams will have celebrity captains, and one of them is Justin Bieber. Um, so it may bring some people that don't normally pay attention to hockey to maybe pay attention to it. It may create some viral moments. You know, we we all know Justin Bieber was part of a viral moment many years ago when he was like checked into the boards and all that. Now, now he's not going to be playing, but just the fact that celebrities are part of it. Now we all know the Taylor Swift thing and the Super Bowl is a big thing. So definitely you want to get some star power. The NHL really lacks that. So that that might be helpful. The skills competition is turning into um, kind of like a decathlon where you have 12 players competing for like the best hockey player, quote unquote, um, in, in various events. Now, that's a good thing, but I like the idea of a, of a format where it's every man for himself. But I don't like the fact that it's limited to just a group of players and not everyone at the All-Star game. That's part of it, too. The other thing, too, is it's on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. So there's not no real competition other than maybe college basketball. But it shouldn't have any competition. This this game um, scores pretty low in the ratings generally. So hopefully it can break through that. Now, these are all the, the positives. Now, there's some negatives. You know, the negatives is no Connor Bedard. He was chosen, but he's injured. So the league has really been, you know, as you can tell from – I've watched more Chicago Blackhawks games this year than anybody should be allowed to watch, but I don't even live in Chicago, but because they front loaded all the national games with that. And so they were really hoping he'd be there because of, you know, his star power and and how he's, he's the next big one. You know, the other thing too is, is all-star fatigue. 
you know, the Pro Bowl is 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 around the same time. The NBA All-Star Game is coming. This All-Star Games in general, like you mentioned, people are starting to sour on them. And the leagues are constantly tinkering with them now to make them relevant somehow. And so you have to kind of wonder whether this is the kind of thing that will endure or will it go away someday? Who knows? But those are some of the negatives that, that are associated with it. And that's a big negative because, you know, the, the 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 hardcore hockey fan might be watching, but maybe not enough of them. And then, you know, will enough people who don't pay attention to hockey come in on that day? And that's sort of to be to be seen. And if they come in, how long are they going to stay? Because you see it the same thing every year with like the World Cup, for example. Americans love the World Cup. They go nuts about it. And then a year later, it's like, oh, yeah, we were watching that that a year ago, weren't we? And then they just kind of forget about it. And I think you kind of see the same thing with like Olympic hockey, too. People absolutely love hockey during the Olympics. And then they kind of forget about it when it's an NHL season. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And going along with what you said, too, about, you know, how long is it going to last? When you look at a lot of the niche sports out there, like lacrosse, the NLL, I don't believe, has an all-star game at all. You look at indoor soccer, used to have an all-star game when the MISL was around, but nowadays in the, uh, whatever they call it, the MASL, the major arena soccer, they haven't had an all-star game in years there at all. And so it just kind of makes you wonder, you know, how long is it going to be worth hosting it for? And so I kind of like they're tinkering with it a bit every, all the time they're trying to keep it relevant, but at the same time, man, it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of loses something whenever you keep on messing with it too much. Yeah, just to go off of what you're saying, I think Americans really enjoy when it's global. So when it's the Olympics, it's national teams. When it's soccer, it's national teams. This is why I really liked the North America versus the world format because I thought, oh, it, it, it created some kind of international competition. Though the MLS All-Star Game is like that, where the MLS All-Stars will play a, a club from another country, you know, Arsenal or Man United or Juventus or whatever. And so wouldn't it be really cool if they brought a team from, I don't know, Russia or Sweden or and have them play the all-stars that might be fun and we may have to go back to that at some point even though it seems very 90s I think it'd be really kind of cool or you make the four teams but you split them up by you know you do Canada U.S. Sweden Finland or whatever or Russia or whatever and you can probably field enough you know um, uh, players per team that you would create sort of the, the the concept of an international I think that's the way to go but look, we'll see what the ratings are, and then the leagues will do whatever they want anyways. And you had that for a while in the late 90s, early 2000s. You had the uh, North America versus World for the All-Star format, which I think it was a good idea at first, but after a while, it's like kind of, eh, I don't know. But it's, again, that's going to happen, it seems like, with any kind of change they make. Yeah, you know, and maybe the NHL will, will bring back this world concept once they're back at the Olympics. That might be something yeah. they want to do, which you mentioned the years that you're talking about. That's the years they, they the NHLers were playing in the in the Olympics. And so that's for the first time. So that's maybe where they go in the future. They also are talking about having uh, the NHL is thinking of doing uh, an in-tournament kind of in-season tournament like the NBA did. Right. Only they want to make it international. So they want to be able to field maybe a four-team tournament, you know, U.S., Canada, Sweden, Finland, and maybe do, you know, maybe it's a prelude to a World Cup of hockey that we've all kind of wanted, kind of like the World Baseball Classic, but maybe do it every year. You know, it might be fun, uh, but who knows? And maybe that replaces the... The all-star game, because to be honest, I, I don't know that doing an in-season tournament and adding even more hockey games to the season is smart, but whatever happens, happens. But yeah, you know, I'll be watching and hopefully people will be. And I think, look, I think Toronto is a great setting for it. As long as you keep it in these really hardcore hockey markets, I think that's a, that's a good start, at least. Yeah. 
Have you been to an All-Star game at all before or just uh, been watching them all on TV? I have never been, even though one of my fondest memories of an All-Star game happened in New York. I didn't go to it back in 94. You know, the the MSG and Master Square Garden hosted an All-Star game. But no, I've always watched it on TV and I always thought it was a kind of a fun thing to do on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, depending when it was on. But I will say there's been some years where the ratings have been dreadful for this thing. So let's be aware of that. So look, if you're a hockey fan, tune in because, you know, it's important to support the sport and the league. And the only way to really support it is, is to is to vote with your eyes, you know, to, to, to tune in. On the collectible side of things around the All-Star game, I know back uh, years ago when it was McDonald's, it was doing all the cards instead of uh, Tim Hortons. A lot of the ones in the 90s were All-Star themed. They'd put, you know, all the All-Star players in there and everything. Are any of the companies still doing anything like that now? I know Tim Hortons is just kind of a regular set and everything is not a specific All-Star theme. Are we seeing anybody that's going to be doing any kind of card stuff at all, do you think, for the All-Star game? Have you heard of anything? Yeah, nothing specific. You know, I, I mentioned '94, and I remember getting, uh, uh, like by players, you know, uh, in subsequent years, like Adam Graves and other things. But there really is no um, real collectibles around the All Star Game, which tells you a little bit about how the cachet of this thing is is fallen. That even the collectibles market is responding. Now, there's still All Star cards and upper deck, but nothing like what we saw in the '80s, where like getting a player's All Star Game card was still pretty cool. I thought, and now nobody really cares, and that so that tells you a little bit about the the relationship the collectors have to the to the game itself. Yeah, it's not something that you know can really make or bla- make or break a player's uh, collectability or anything like that. That's for sure. No, it doesn't drive any market share to that player. And even if you can say, "Oh, this player was a ten time All Star," but yeah, you know, it's like saying a eight time Pro Bowler. Does anybody actually care? You know, right? And and a lot of players don't even want to play in this game, like. Ovechkin has turned it down. I think Sidney Crosby will not be playing in it. So players have also turned it down. You know, they, they, they get invited and they say, no, thank you. I'd rather take three days off than play in this thing. Right. I mean, <laughs> I can't really blame them there when it's just, you know, kind of an exhibition like that. So, yeah. Exactly. That's a long season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. So a little bit of a uh, hockey all-star game talk. I'm probably going to try to catch a little bit of it, at least if I can. But uh said you got some TTMs in this week. So, hey, let's uh, take a look at those and see what you, what you got did. for us. So, yeah. So I went recently, I went to the um, White Plains show right here oh, yeah. in New York, outside of New York. And a lot of signers, you know, a lot of stuff. You know, Cal Ripken Jr. was there and everything else. Now, I did not get Cal Ripken because he was ch- charging $189 for flats, which yeah. was a little steep for me. But with the price of admission, you know, you can get Jim Longborg. So I got him. Nice. Right? And, you know, I got to say, some of these older players, this is not news to anybody, you know, they're more accessible, right? They're much cheaper, and they really, really have nice penmanship. Like, I can yes. read I can read the autograph. It's really classy on the card. And if you, anyone collects 60s and 70s cards, you know, that's great. Um, my second uh, pickup in January was, through, through the mail, uh, Eric Dickerson. Hey, there yeah. you go. He's a good signer. I think he's ten dollars. Yep. Um, and so he's a good signer. Um, and then finally, you know, I like to send to uh MLS players because they're really good about signing. And you know, MLS uh, top says fairly cheap to get. Um, and I bought a box of it a few months back, and I got Daniel Edelman of the Red Bulls, and he is probably going to be on the U.S. Olympic team this summer. Oh, um, nice. He's he's only nineteen years old. He actually wrote me a letter back saying like hey thanks for writing to me and like i hope i hope my you know my 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 signature is nice i hope i signed it in the right spot it was very very nice 
And, nice. you know, this could be a future national team or someday. And so, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's nice to get letters like that and to get, you know, correspondence. And, you know, we, we love TTM for that reason, right? For, yes. you know, you kind of feel like you're getting a piece of that athlete, you know, um, and it's cool. And it's, you know, and it's, I'm always grateful whenever I get letters back or, or, mm -hmm. or card back. I feel like, hey, you know, they took the time to do it, especially when they're free. Yes. And uh, it's really great when they want to make sure they're doing it just right, putting it in the right spot and everything. I remember... When I mailed to the late Ron Newman, the former coach for the San Diego Soccers in the uh, MISL, I got a message from, I think it was his daughter on Facebook, saying, hey, we just want to make sure before he signs, do you want to sign on the front, on the back, where precisely on there? I'm like, oh, hey, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I love that they're asking me there. So I'm like, yeah, just right on the front there, kind of near the bottom there is perfect. And yeah, it came out looking great. So it's always good when, you know, they have the hobbyists in mind. Not, they don't just look at us and go, oh, you're just out for a quick buck or something. They're out to, you know, waste my time. It's actually it's good when they realize we're actually fans and also valuing our collections and how things look on them as well. Yeah, and trust me, I'm not going to get rich off my MLS right. TTMs, but you know, but it, yeah. they mean a lot to me. And 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 if you got soccer, that's the way to go because sometimes these guys end up in Europe, you know, and that's or they end up on at the World Cup, and then it's like wow, you know. So no, so yeah, totally. But yeah, I agree with your sentiment, and it's always cool to get that, you know, that message or that letter or that whatever or that card back, you know, totally. Exactly. Any other thoughts before we go and uh, head on back to the meat of the show? No, I just love that the show is back. I think yeah. this is a great way to remember Jeff's legacy. You know, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, I would never have been on this show. I never would have really, you know, gotten to become friends with him and with you and other people. And so, look, this is, you know, if anything, the death of someone always highlights what this community is about, I think. And it's not just about cards. And yeah, sure, we have that in common. But I think it goes beyond that. It goes, it becomes a friendship. It becomes almost like family. And so really that's my parting words for, you know, for my first appearance back on the show. And so I'm glad to be back and I'm glad that, that you're doing this. Absolutely. Well, once again, Clemente, thank you for joining us here in Clemente's World. Big thanks once again to Clemente Lisi for joining us. So we'll head on from here to Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by CGC Cards. All card grading, all in one place. Certified Guarantee Company, CGC, devoted to the expert grading of collectible cards. Visit cgccards.com today. Making the grade is a summary of all things related to grading from the previous week. We've got some great uh, numbers here from gemrate.com. Lee, give us the rundown here. What do we have from the big four companies? All right. We're looking at the week of January the 22nd through the 28th, and we'll start with PSA, a total of 290000 I'm sorry, 297,500 cards up 21%. So a decent little increase there. An even bigger increase comes with CGC. We're looking at 39.4 thousand cards up 41% from last week. SGC, we're seeing the lowest percentage increase, 36.6 thousand cards up only 4% from last week. And the largest percentage increase we're seeing with Beckett, that's 14.4 thousand up 53%. So looking at a total of 387,900 cards graded over the last week, that's a lot of cards. Definitely is. I mean, I'm looking over at my shelving here, and it's like, that's more cards than I have sitting over here. That's that's impressive that uh, the four companies are able to crank that all out in just a single week. We've got the big three here as well, courtesy of GemRate.com. The big three comes from GemRate. It's an exclusive to TTM Cast, and uh, just kind of tells you who the big names are that are getting graded here over the previous week and who the biggest risers are in that area. 
big winners for this week. Drake May, future first round pick here in a couple of months. He's uh, the quarterback at the University of North Carolina. His cards are up 81% right now. Cam Collier, he's up 68%. And Puka Nakua, I think it's Puka Nakua. Yeah, that sounds right. Up 43% as well. So some uh, big risers right there. C.J. Stroud just barely missing the cut on the big three, but it was his Donruss rookie that was the week's big winner on an individual card. It more than doubled in its grading activity. So uh, getting a lot of attention there with his uh, great rookie year playoff run. Uh, who we got as the uh, big three that are unfortunately falling this week? Well, for falling this week, we've got three very recognizable names. First off, we have Anthony Edwards, who's down 10%. Next, a guy a few hockey people might have heard of, Wayne Gretzky, is apparently down 15%. And the largest drop, we're looking at Justin Herbert, down 44%. So I'm not sure people getting cold feet on Justin Herbert. Got a feeling that might change a bit. I mean, bringing in... Uh, Jim Harbaugh is the coach out there. That's a guy who's a former quarterback, has a chance to work with a guy who has a lot of potential there in Herbert. I think people could start warming up on him here again in the next couple of weeks. Just, just kind of my feeling there. So big thanks once again to gemrate.com for providing these numbers to us. Let's move on next to the TTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. Stamp of approval is just our chance to show that, Hey, we're not just a bunch of sports nerds. Although, uh, even in stamp approval, it sometimes ends up as a lot of sports stuff in there as well. So, Lee, we'll let you lead this one off. What do you got for your stamp of approval for this week? Well, we're semi-sports related, but I actually have a movie stamp of approval. Picked up a lot of movies recently, just kind of thinned them out. But as I was going through looking at what we were keeping, I found an old Burt Reynolds movie called Stroker Ace, where he actually plays a stock car driver. Have you ever seen this movie? I have not, but I have definitely heard of that one. It was one of kind of the first NASCAR-related movies, if I remember right. Well, I gave it a watch, and it's actually a really just fun, campy, just Burt Reynolds comedy watch. You know, it's a little strange seeing Burt Reynolds and Ned Beatty share a screen that's a much more lighthearted approach than Deliverance. So there's also that. But also, for anybody who is a big fan of NASCAR in the 80s, you definitely see some recognizable cameos, which is always fun as well. So that's Stroker Ace starring Burt Reynolds gets my stamp of approval. Nice. Great choice there. Uh, my stamp approval for this week, I'm going back to food once again because, I mean, anybody out there who's seen me knows I'm a fat chooch and I'm not going to pass up any uh, free tacos there. I can skip breakfast. I'm still going to be fighting heavyweight. So uh, mine goes to the Churrasco Taco at Torchy's Tacos. Do they have a Torchy's Tacos near you at all, Lee, or have you ever seen one out on the road or anything like that? I, I don't know if that's anything we even have in the entire region. I've definitely never seen one, but I am definitely curious to hear about this Churrasco Taco. Yeah, well, uh, they started out in Texas. They've started to expand a little bit more. I know they've got a few in Arizona, a few in Ohio. I think they've gotten a couple into Virginia. I haven't seen much in the southeast, but I haven't also really been looking super closely either. But it started out with they had the Roscoe taco, and they would bring that for the taco of the month every March. And it was just like a take on a chicken and waffles taco. It would have a uh, fried chicken strip on there with a fried egg, a small waffle, and uh, maple syrup. Pretty good. I would always look forward to that every year. Well, they got rid of it last year, and I'm like, what What? What the hell? I look forward to this every year, and you don't have it anymore? Well, they brought it back this year. It's the taco of the month for February, and they've elevated it now. It still has the fried egg. It still has the fried chicken strip. They've taken away the waffle, and they've replaced it now with a churro. They've taken out the maple syrup and replaced that with a bacon bourbon marmalade, all topped with their habanero sauce. And... Yeah, this 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 was I had a couple of them last night and they were absolutely amazing. So uh 
if you happen to see a Torchies in your area, if you're a listener or anything like that, and you happen to be near one, go and check it out. Not just the churrasco. They've got so many other great things on the menu, but that has been my stamp of approval for the month because that, that, that was a game changer right there. For putting a churro on a taco, I had never thought of that before, and they pulled it off very nicely. So the churrasco taco from Torchies Tacos is my CTM cast stamp of approval. And so with that, let's go ahead and move on to the Vern Rap Minute. Vern Rapp Minute is dedicated to the memory of Mr. Vern Rapp, who uh, our show founder, Jeff Baker, mailed off to not knowing that he had already passed away. And so we provide this service to all the collectors out there so that they know not to send off to somebody here if they have uh, recently passed on. So uh, go through the list here. Unfortunately, kind of a longer list here this week. And I started out last week's with a collector that I know. And unfortunately, I have to do the same thing again this week as the North Texas autograph community lost Randy Taylor this week. Uh, Randy was one of the Arlington Tunnel rats. We used to hang out outside the ballpark over near the tunnel where the players would drive in, get autographs there every day. And he was one who, I mean, he predated my time out there. And uh, yeah, he and his son Seth were out there all the time, it seemed like. He's a fellow Painesville, Ohio native, too. It's a town I grew up in. And he was actually born there and uh, moved away uh, when he was a few years old. But Got to know him pretty well out of the tunnel there over the previous years. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away this week. He was 58 years old. And next up, we have Jimmy Williams. He was a shortstop during 1966 and 1967 for the St. Louis Cardinals. Also had managerial stints with the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Astros, as well as third base coach experience for Atlanta in the 90s. He was an excellent TTM or through three weeks ago. Passed away at the age of 80. That's Jimmy Williams. We lost Mike Martin earlier this week. Uh, Mike was the... Florida State head baseball coach. He uh, managed the Seminoles from 1980 to 2019, never won a national championship with them, but he had over 2,000 career wins as their manager. 19-time conference tourney champion, 13-time conference regular season champ, so quite the career there as their manager. He was an occasional TTMer. Mike Martin was 79 years old. Next, we have Terry Beasley. He was a wide receiver from 1972 to 1975 for the 49ers, one of only three players with his number retired by Auburn, also a college football Hall of Fame class of 2002, a very good TTMer. That's Terry Beasley, passed away at the age of 73. We lost Marie Mansfield Kelly this week. She was part of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. She played in there from 1950 to 54, mostly with the Rockford Peaches, also a bit with the Battle Creek Bells. Primarily a pitcher during her career, she played in two championships for the league, had a postseason ERA of 0.86, never won a championship at all, but definitely showed up there in the postseason. Uh, she was an excellent TTMer. Marie Mansfield Kelly was 92 years old. And next we have Blaine Locker, who played goalie for the Boston Bruins from 1994 to 1996. She's a 1994 national champion with Lake Superior State, all-tournament team, and MVP of the CCHA tournament. Not known as a TTM, or and I actually had no idea that he passed until we're doing this show right now. 
Yeah, I just heard about that earlier this week there. Uh, Lake Superior State, I believe it was, uh, posted something about it and it got uh, made the rounds on there. Al McBean earlier this week as well. Al was a pitcher for the Pirates, the Padres, and the Dodgers from 1961 to 1970. He actually was a native of the U.S. Virgin Islands, and the Pirates hosted tryout in the Virgin Islands in 1957, and he showed up there just to take photos for a local newspaper. His friends convinced him, hey, you should try out, and the Pirates said, yeah, we'll take you, brought him to camp, and he turned that into a 10-year major league career. 67 and 50 career record with a 3.13 ERA. Not too bad with the bat either. As he had a th- uh, he had three home runs in his career, including hitting a grand slam in 1968. He was an excellent TTMer all the way up through about 2019 or so. Al McBean was 85 years old. And next we have Carl Weathers. And this one not only transcends the sports world, but just a pop culture icon in general. He got the role of Apollo Creed when he criticized Stallone's acting, which is just such a unique way of obtaining a role. <laughs> Of course, also known in Predator, Action Jackson, Happy Gilmore, many TV spots, notably in the Heat of the Night and The Mandalorian, not known as the TTMer. That was Carl Weathers passed away at 76 years old. If we lost anybody this week, our thoughts are with you and our thoughts with anybody, uh, all these uh, people's families here as well. So let's get on to our TTM returns. That's why we're here after all. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. All right, so a nice full mailbox for me this week. Lee, you mentioned that you had uh, Lenny Wilkins that came back earlier. Right, and that was just Lenny Wilkins signed one-on-one for me and took a little over a week to get back, signed an 89 hoops card. Time you can get somebody like that. I mean, Wilkins is one of those few guys out there in any sport, really, that was Hall of Fame caliber as a player and Hall of Fame caliber as a coach. So he's always, I mean, if if your collection doesn't have him, it's like you're either just starting out or you're not a basketball fan or you're just not trying, it seems. I think we can go ahead and declare him a Hall of Fame from the TTM caliber as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my mailbox was pretty full this week. A lot of these guys taking less than two weeks to get back to me. So we had, uh, first off, football player Charlie West. He was a member of the Minnesota Vikings back in the 60s and 70s. Signed uh, two cards and index card for me in just about two weeks or so. Got back baseball player Luke Klimchuk, who signed not only my card, but also the uh, he wrote a short note back about George Brunette, who I mentioned in my letter, and even enclosed a signed photo as well. Took about two weeks for him. Jerry Philbin, former linebacker for the Jets, signed two cards in, I want to say, also about two weeks or so. Joe Shipley, who was, I believe, an infielder with the Giants, if I remember right. I don't have the card sitting right here in front of me. I'm totally trying to do this off memory here. But he signed a card and an index card in about two weeks. I also got to, uh, back Tom Beer, who was a tight end for the Broncos and the Patriots in the late 60s to early 70s. He signed two cards and wrote a short note back in about two weeks. I uh, got Gary Anderson back as well. Gary was a running back for several teams, notably the Chargers, the Buccaneers, and I think there's one other team after that, and I can't think of who it was off the top of my head, but I had cards room with those two teams at least. Those took about two weeks to come back. Got Carl Mathias back. He was a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians in the 1960s. I think he may have pitched part of this, of, of a season with the White Sox, too. Just a heads up, uh, Mathias' signature looking very shaky lately, unfortunately. So uh, I think he's close to 90 years old, though, and that, that tends to happen once you get up to that age there. I got back Ken Harvey, former linebacker from the Washington Redskins and the, the Arizona Cardinals. He took about two and a half weeks or so, signed four cards for me. Got back Bob Oldis, who was a former catcher for the Pirates back in the 1960s or so. He signed my card and an index card. 
Put on the index card as well, 1960 World Champion Pittsburgh Pirates. So cool little inscription on that one. And last one I got back, Tom Gilbert, former defenseman for, let's see, I've got these cards sitting right here still, but uh, with the Oilers and the Wild at the very least. Uh, that one a little bit longer. I mailed that one out almost a year ago to an address in Minnesota, came back postmarked from Wisconsin. So, uh, yeah, nice little uh, one-year turnaround there. But very busy week at the mailbox. Got another nine they'll be mailing out soon. And I'd like to try to write a total of about 20 this weekend if I can. So got to get the pen to the paper here soon, and hopefully we'll keep those uh, rolling on in. Absolutely. And I wanted to circle back on Ken Harvey. I actually had a return from him last year. Did he happen to send you the little piece of paper about his avatar that he's trying to promote? Oh, I didn't get anything about that. That's that's interesting. I, I got I got a return from Ken Harvey. He signed a signed, I believe, a ninety one pro set was what I sent him. But he sent me back an additional piece of paper that was advertising. It was almost like a little a little avatar of some sort that he was trying to promote, and I guess get some some kind of following going with it was just kind of an odd thing to get back from a retired football player so i was i'll have to get a picture and show it to you You can maybe post it to the the page here yeah that's that's different was like an nft kind of a thing or something like that it was just like a little printed image of a character and I, i forget the exact context without looking at the letter but basically just saying like in return for signing my card if you could please promote this i I'll, I'll try to get a picture because I know it just sounds very vague right now, but I believe I did maintain the paper. So I'll try to find that when I get home and get a picture. You see, maybe share it to the page there. That's that's interesting. I mean, I've gotten a few things like that before, but it's usually like guys probably like a book or something like that. That's the first time I've seen an, an avatar or something like that. That's that's right. different. Well, that about wraps this one up for this week. I want to send a big thanks to Clemente Lisi for joining us in Clemente's World. And a big thanks once again, Lee, for joining us here the last three weeks. I'm sure we'll be seeing you on uh, at some point here in the future as well. Absolutely. It's always enjoyable to be on, and I'll definitely be on standby anytime you need me. Just let me know. Well, next week, we've got Troy Rudder rejoining us as co-host. We're also going to talk to collector Rob Parker. We might also hear from his son, Braylon, in there as well. We've uh, mentioned them on the show before. They've been a, co- a contest winner a couple times. We ran them at the 2022 National as well. So we're finally getting Rob on as an interview guest for our Collector's Corner segments. Lee, anything else? Any other thoughts before we uh, call the call an end to this one? Not much I can think of. A lot, lot packed into one show there. So yeah. hopefully everyone's got a nice full mailbox to look forward to this upcoming week. Yep. Well, there you go. Well, thanks again to everybody for tuning in here. Wishing you many happy returns. We will see you next week. Hey, everyone, be good. Be good.